0: Score. I declare bankruptcy! Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Twit, you ignorant slut! Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment, as a child, when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, The Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray, and with me is Master Jacob (laughs) Kingles.
1: Well, I do have a master's degree, so that's not too far off, actually. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, uh, good to be back. Fall has finally fell in Western PA, and I am super stoked for it.
0: Yeah, some of that's happening here in New Jersey. I got to wear
1: a hoodie, like, all day yesterday. That's the dream. Mm Mm-hmm so yeah it was like it was weird because it was like 85 85 85 60 there was no transition it was just like warm 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 cool (laughs) like cool
0: (laughs) yeah it's tough because uh you know i commute now uh via bus and stuff and like the bus doesn't care like oh it's really cold out great make sure the AC is still on or vice versa it was cold yesterday but hot today no problem let's just keep it sweltering
1: yeah uh you know i work in a pretty big office building and that's definitely an issue like in in when it's sort of going like flexing up and down where we have some warmer days and some cooler days right. it's too hard for them to move the ac so some of those cold like cooler days it is cold cold in the building
0: that's yeah, rough i did start keeping like a desk hoodie
1: yeah i have a desk hoodie
0: and i also have a desk fan i've got i've got that covered i think <laughs>
1: I mean, I knew a girl that I worked with and she would have a space heater running under her desk in the summer in Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, that's my wife. My (laughs) wife keeps her space heater on like all year round, which is nuts. Crazy women being all cold and stuff. Uh, But enough about women and their body temperatures. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about the office. Um, Actually, just a smidge. I feel like we always forget. We do have a Patreon. I know, yes. I know millions of you listen out there, and now you're, you're all big fans, and you're constantly saying, hey, how can I support you guys and the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network? Well, do I have a deal for you? I just unplugged my head sex. I was so excited. Um, it's patreon.com slash broken jars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got several tiers, lots of fun things, uh, ways to interact with the uh, the folks at our network, specifically Jacob and myself. Um, so head on over there if you'd like to support us. Every little bit counts.
1: Right. You can like uh, get invited and chat with us uh, in our discord. and I'm there pretty much daily. So you know you can come talk with me. Uh, if you give us three dollars, we'll give you a sticker. They're great stickers. I got to figure out where they they, actually, I know, I know where they are. They're, they're, they're in the storage room. Yeah. We all, y'all, everyone has that one room that's like, okay, this is where crap goes. Yes.
0: That is currently where I'm sitting.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But uh, go, go check it out. Um, Right. And uh, you can always find us at broken jars, broadcasting at gmail.com. If you want to talk to us through email, Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Click. Uh, Whatever. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So that is that. We are getting into season eight, episode three, the lot. I think it's actually just Lotto. Yeah. Yeah. It is directed by Mr. Jim Halpert. Yep. John Krasinski and uh, written by Charlie Grandy. Yeah,
0: I feel like that's a a newish name.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I've heard that one yet or not, but the, the cold open is kind of funny where they come back and someone has left their dog in the... um, Like the backseat in, in their car. Yeah, in their car, right. And uh, uh, this really pisses off Oscar for some reason.
0: Yeah, and then just, everything is triggering. So the dog's back there. Uh, he sees a bumper sticker uh that indicates that the owner of the car is a fan of snowboarding and there's a connection in oscar's mind
1: right because apparently all snowboarders smoke weed yeah
0: yeah right he wouldn't have left his weed in the car apparently (laughs) um so kevin comes up with a great idea because everybody's debating like it's not that hot out you know maybe it's okay we don't know how long the dog's been in there so kevin's like i could be the real world timer i'll go sit in my car and if i honk three times it means i'm dying which means save the dog.
1: <laughs> and then, like, Oscar shows up with a tire iron, yep. and breaks the window of this dude's car. Like, could you imagine, like, being that person? Yeah, because there's, like, a lot of, uh, like, there's no hesitation,
0: right? There's, like, repercussions. Like, insurance will be called. If he doesn't, like, leave a note or something, the police may be involved.
1: Well, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the police would def if it were me, the police would definitely be involved. <laughs> Well, if the dude's got weed, though. <laughs> it's true. But he would have time to take the weed out. That's fair. Yeah. But Yeah. You know, it, Dwight's trying to, like, give up, like, his smoothie or something. So there's smoothie all in well, the car. Yeah, for whatever reason, like, half of them have shakes. It's like they've all come back from a communal shake
0: trip or something because well, Jim's got
1: one, too. Right. Well, uh, Dwight and Jim come walking into the parking lot with shakes with to shakes see already. the scene. Yeah. So... Yeah, there they must. There must be a like a, a a Jamba Juice or something must have opened up, or a Smoothie King must have yeah. opened up nearby. Um,
0: and then there's some just like kind of great background conversations. Uh, you know, the owner of the car is called uh, no, someone's called Michael Vick in this situation. Oh, right. I think they call Andy Michael Vick because he's originally kind of the voice of reason. Here is like, should we just go break in car windows? Um, and then when he kind of hops on board with everybody's thoughts on the thing. They're like, oh, now you, you want to help Michael Vick, and then Daryl Hobson's as his time. times. Like, <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah. So Oscar, I mean, he breaks the window with some style, you know, just does it like he's done it before, right? Um, and then they have to decide how to um, keep the dog in because the dog's just going to run away, right? And immediately tries to jump out,
1: right? And they're like, you know, you kind of got to do this, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they just put a big
0: old cardboard box over the window and poke holes in it. <laughs> Essentially just being where
1: they were. Yeah, because it seemed like the sunroof was open. Yeah. So, yeah, about the yeah, same thing. It was thing. plenty of, yeah, and this is that, uh, yeah, Vic was with the Eagles at the time of this airing. so Got it. Got it. He, would be, he would be very big in the um, Philly community. Um.
0: And of course, the best part is everybody feels like job well done. They walk away and then you hear three, well, two honks and a third everlasting honk. Right. Uh, with a close-up of Kevin who seems to be passed out on his steering wheel. <laughs> <coughs> That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, I do have a story about, uh, so I have a dog. I have a puppy, Jin, mm-hmm. Jin Urso, And uh, we went to Cadoba a couple weeks back or whatever. So let me tell you this. I like it cold right? We established temperature needs here. So mm-hmm. I prefer it cold. So a lot of the times I drive with the air conditioning on, um, and it was a little warm out. So I kept the doors and windows closed and got out of the car and the car inside at the moment was actually cooler than it was outside with like the post AC mm-hmm. air hanging out. Right. I was going to run in. I was literally like mid order when a lady comes in like, okay. Corral style pushes the saloon doors open of this Cadoba and like. Fucking freaks out. There it is. There's our big <laughs> explicit warning on this episode. <laughs> four, four minutes in. But she's like, um, there's a dog. There's a dog outside in a car. And I was like, Oh my God, lady, it's been forty-five seconds. But <laughs> at this point, she's called everybody out. And we can't just ignore it because then maybe she's gonna pull an Oscar. So I'm like, Oh, it's my dog. She's fine. And she's like, Well, you know, it gets hot. I'm like, oh my God. So to run outside, I roll down the windows and instantly it gets warmer in that car. And I was just so mad at this lady. I feel like I talked about it for like days to my wife and my wife. Was like, it's okay, it's over, or whatever. So, you know, the, the car, the dog in the car is a tricky situation. And I feel like if you're so concerned, it's worth waiting there five minutes. Before right. You start breaking windows and starting shootouts in kedobas
1: yeah. Well, like Oscar also broke the dude's taillight. <laughs> He's like, and one more for whatever. And yeah. bah, one yeah. more for good measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that point, it becomes
0: almost like a hate crime, right? because he hates snowboarders. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So the the crux of our episode here. Right.
1: Uh, it kind of the opening after the cold open, it opens with them have already, with the warehouse crew already have won the lottery.
0: Right, right. Um, yeah. So apparently I guess every, every so often they all pool their money together to go into the lottery. A lot of offices do it. Um, and this particular time they happen to have won a pretty big pot Um, so that, that's where we are. They, they've all won and they all ended up quitting.
1: Right. Which one, that's not enough money to quit your job unless you're going to go, like, go try to find a new one or maybe like go back to school or something. But was 900,000 between six people, something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. and, And that's all like pre, like,
0: that's like the winning number, right? There's of course all the taxes that go involved and stuff and, um, a lot of all, you know, it's just it's not as glamorous as it all seems, right?
1: So it's about one hundred fifty thousand a person, and you're going to lose about thirty percent of that to federal taxes. It's the feds. Uh, well, it, but if in PA, fun fact, if you they they do not tax state. If you win the lottery. They if and it's under a million. They don't put state income taxes.
0: Okay. So
1: okay. That's, all right. So that's something. That's, Right, so you know they're probably looking at like hundred thousand dollars, even right. ninety to a hundred thousand, right? Yeah, you know that's you know depending on who you are, one to two years salary, but I mean there's there's not a lot you can really do with a hundred thousand, you know. Yeah. I mean you can do a lot, obviously, but it's not like quit your job quit working kind of
0: <laughs> yeah i mean not for nothing but like this this could be a troubling comment i'm about to say mm-hmm. but we're talking about like blue collar workers right i mean they they're working a particular job and they have a particular knowledge set or whatever i mm. mean if a wall street guy got 100k he'd be like okay boom i can invest this i can make money with money right um, and you know, we'll find out throughout the episode what some of the plans are for some of the folks because there is like an investment concept going on there. Though, mm-hmm. they, you know, it's a little far fetched. But um, yeah, I think I think some people maybe could do something with it in terms of not, but um, I don't think this is the group of people.
1: Right. I mean, ideally, you know, most people who have a stable job, I mean, you got. I would guess just from the things that have been said in the show, this is probably like two to two and a half years worth of salary for these guys after taxes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, pay off your house, pay off all your debts. All of a sudden your salary gets a lot bigger.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good point too. You know, Uh, like keep doing your job and then all of a sudden you're not, you don't have all these bills piling up anymore. Right.
1: I mean, it's, it is tens of thousands of dollars. If you look at pre-tax income just to pay my student loans. Every right. Year. right so yeah it's just one of those things where it's like oh you essentially if you pay off that day you essentially get a raise right yeah so uh so but as as people are want to do they start thinking about what would you do with if you won them that money yeah yeah uh you know so pam and jim start talking about where they would live and it, it seems like they were talking about like if they won the whole thing like 900k Hmm. You know, um, you know right at a million dollars instead of a hundred thousand because they're like, oh, I want to move to Soho. like you can't move to Soho for a hundred thousand dollars. You no. can't even move there for a million dollars if you want to yeah. buy a place. yeah, I mean unless she's real
0: crafty and gets one of them fancy rent controlled apartments that are still like four hundred dollars because
1: right but I, I've, I've been reading that like they've managed to get it down to like only like two or three percent of apartments are now rent controlled there. Yeah, so they're even, they're even more rare.
0: Yeah, but the, so they do have some conflicting views about where their dreams are, um, mm-hmm. which kind of becomes like a, a D storyline throughout here. Right. Um. So, so they all, and then, uh, yeah, they're all chatting. Dwight makes a funny comment about how, um, what Jim and Pam really would do was to buy fancy robes and then cuddle. Right, (laughs) which is like it's funny that that's an insult from dwight because that like to the audience just shows like everybody thinks that their relationship is just this kind of wholesome thing right um
1: but yeah but so we we get in and this is really this is angie's episode to shine as a boss really uh it's at the beginning of the episode he's freaking out he's like yeah they won the lotto and I've got to get these people to do these things. And those words have to come out of my mouth. Like, he's really, like, has it scared about it?
0: Yeah. I mean, really, um, you know, it's kind of like a trilogy, right? The, like, the first three episodes of this season kind of work to establish Andy as, like, this. Actually,
1: I I would, I would go.
0: Even the fourth episode. Even, right? even Guard
1: Party, because that's yeah. a huge character development episode for me.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Um, You know, so there, yeah, it's kind of like this series of like making sure that the audience kind of gets where Andy's coming from as his boss. Like he's not right D'Angelo. He's not going to be the typical old Andy that he had been before. And he's not just a new Michael Scott, you know, like he is his own neurotic version (laughs) of a regional manager of Scranton, Dunder Mifflin. Um, But yeah, so he has to come out and he has to tell everybody that like, look, you you gotta all get back to work, but he's not putting his foot down as one would. Mm-hmm. So he's cracking some jokes, he makes a Mr. T impression. A painful because this will get annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um so and we also see a shift in Daryl's behavior, who um we all know used to work in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. He has since been promoted to some type of you know warehouse coordinator. Right. Um, and apparently when he got promoted, he stopped participating in the lottery. So from his perspective, it's like he missed out on this other opportunity, right?
1: right wow. Well, something i mean i i had i had a really small sort of thing like this so i started this new job back when i was like i was in my mid-20s and uh like two weeks after i start the lotto pool hit at my job hmm. and everyone in it got like 20 grand after taxes i mean not a small amount of money especially when you're 26 or whatever i mean right. hell i could do a lot with 20 grand now but um, you know, I was like, oh man, I didn't even know it like not too long after that, I got moved right beside the woman who coordinated the office thing. And she was like, oh, so I told so-and-so to talk to you. I guess they never did. I was like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> right. So that's, but yeah, so, but I can, I can kind of get it like, oh, I used to do it. it. You know, it's the, the fear of missing out, you know, regret kind of thing.
0: Yeah. It's like it, it, it I mean, you know, the percentages of winning the lottery are slim anyways. I mean, there's like a bit of like a communal funness, I guess, of it, of throwing your money away. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah. It, it is hard to like,
1: I mean, how many, what's the percentage of people who win the lottery? Right. Well, yeah. But I mean, if you, if you're looking at like smaller, you know, some of the smaller payouts, you might be able to make a little bit of money. Well, it sends daryl into a spiral, right? And, uh, you know, because he's we find out he's super pissed about Andy getting that job, yeah, because he thinks it was his, right? He got screwed, yeah. And we, you know, we find out that he, you know, that's not true. um In a great scene, we'll get to later. But one, one thing I, I did find interesting is these two episodes these two episodes we're talking about today are there's pretty much all daryl character development and then all Andy character development Mm -hmm. there's other stuff going on around it but like they they kind of parallel each other in that that respect because it they both really set up what happens for the rest of the the run of the show right where because soon we're going to start seeing daryl really getting into all the like life hacking and all this other stuff and then which eventually leads into athlete um you know the stuff with Andy's parents and so in season 9 when you know his dad bails out on his mom and does all this other stuff and like why the boat is so important like right. we we get this really good sense of why why it he spirals so hard yeah you know it yeah. makes a lot of sense right
0: yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I, it's probably only around this particular walk, run through of the show that we've been doing where like I focus more on Daryl because he's always been like a great character and really funny, but um, we've never talked about like his highs and lows and stuff because he he has a lot going on, right? Uh, you know, there's there's a lot with his daughter, um, right? He has different moments where he's like really aggressive with his career and where he's a little bit more lax. Mm-hmm um all of the racial abuse that he ends up dealing with on the show as being like you know only the second black person in that office right um yeah so this episode kind of is a nice reminder that daryl is a character in the show for one who like has their own thing like they're not just there to support you know
1: right right
0: Um, yeah so it's yeah but we'll we're ahead of ourselves, as always. <laughs> um, so he gets a phone call from his ex-wife. He thinks it's going to be great. We know that they, they've they banged recently in this season. Um, but actually, she is checking, A, did you win the lottery, too? No, did not. And B, uh, okay, do you have the number for your buddy Glenn, who works in the warehouse?
1: Right. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, here it is, Click. It just hangs up on it. Yeah. It's a pretty funny scene. So one of the, sort of the B storyline is... Um, there's no one in the warehouse and they right. got this really big order that needs to go out uh, from a really important client for Phyllis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so uh, uh, Andy starts looking for volunteers and he's like, so then Aaron volunteers right away. And then Oscar being, a, being bitchy is like, oh, you're, you know, no, no man's going to help her. And he's like, oh, you're going to volunteer, Oscar? He's like, oh, no, my hip. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's like, I wish I was a hundred percent, right. And so Jim volunteers, and he 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 just knows he can get Dwight to volunteer by saying, you know, he was the strongest person in the office, right. And Dwight's like, Oh no, you're not. And he's like, Hi, oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I there's like at the very end, he's like, Crap. Yeah, I think he yeah. realizes, like, Oh man, I just got played. Yeah. Uh, and then Kevin <laughs> just gets volunteered, I guess,
0: because he's he's there
1: right here's a good old kevin's like oh there's a good talking how he's like oh good old kevin Uh, he'll do anything blah blah blah. (laughs) yeah so um
0: yeah so that's that's our team Mm -hmm. Uh, c storyline here is that the the battle of the pregnancies is is still waging uh, raging between angela and pam Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so yeah you you have here that angela is not the nicest person during this phase I don't right. think it's out of the realm of what she had been to be fair. Um I Right, but it
1: just that. feels magnified.
0: Well, because it's two things, right? She I think she is as judgmental of other people as she always had been, right? And I right. think she was this judgy about Pam the first time around, especially because it was all out of wedlock or whatever. Right. Um, the the thing that's added here though is like her own weird sense of like I'm doing it perfectly well. Right. Um Yeah, which is, which is tough, but, um, so, so that's going on.
1: Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a great, yeah. We'll definitely get into that more in the next episode because there there is a very interesting look on her thought process through all of this, uh, in the next episode. Mm Uh,
0: so Daryl has this great bit about, um, he didn't, he didn't, and he comes in, he's trying to like get Daryl to like pep up a bit. Right. Right. And he's like, did you go out celebrating with the gang last night? And he's like, no, nah, I, I stayed home and I ate tacos in my basement. And and he's like, that's a nice basement though. He's like, it was nice. But now it smells like tacos. And it's just this whole bit about how you can't air out a basement and taco air is heavy. So now his whole basement is just reeking of tacos. It's <laughs> <laughs> that, like the scent of his despair, you know? I could picture him driving past like a
1: Cordova or a Taco Bell and just being like, damn. Well, Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I was like is like in my head – I, I, it smells like a Taco Bell, like walking into a Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, I love Taco Bell, but I know what I'm eating. <laughs> right. We have no illusions. Yeah. 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 I, well, one, there, there, I don't even know where Taco Bell is around here, but I'm sure there is one. I just don't know. But like, man, those 2 a.m. Taco Bell runs in college. Those are lifesavers.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me tell you, being a 30 year old adult in like the outskirts of New York city. I, we, we get everything delivered. Taco Bell delivered. (laughs) Doba delivered. Popeye's delivered. We get ice cream delivered. Sometimes we just get frosties and French fries. And that is it. One night we, that is the
1: best combo in fast food history. Yeah. Dipping the French fry into the frosties. So good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, But I mean, so the 2am run as a college kid, like you had to be a little, you know, present of mind, so to speak. I don't have to be anywhere. (laughs) I'm sitting on my couch watching Japanese American Ninja Warrior. So it's not American. It's just Ninja Warrior. Scratch that from the record. Um, yeah. And then we're just like, let's get McFlurries right now. Boom. Ordered. In my underwear. It's terrible. My my health has deteriorated. I don't know how much longer hey, Jay, I've got. It, Jerry <laughs> wonders where all of his money went. Yeah, it's true. All right. Because there's all the delivery fees or whatever. But um, Okay. So that's, that's that. Um, so,
1: so Andy is really trying to push. Daryl, like, look, you got to do something. Uh He's like, whatever. And he finally does. So he, there's a group of people in the uh, in the conference room. It's our first sighting of Val. Yep. Uh, But I don't think she's named. Uh, I don't believe so. Right. And Daryl's just being all just stupid fussy about the whole thing. He's like, don't take the first job that comes out. And he's like. Well maybe they just need jobs for right now, you know. You gotta right. start somewhere.
0: We do um is this where we hear about the the plans for the winners of the lottery, like what they're gonna do with their money? Yeah. So there yeah, there's gonna be like two strip clubs on a boat.
1: No, 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 Two or three guys winning on the same strip club right on a, on a boat. Right. Right.
0: Uh Hide has the best one. <laughs> he is uh investing in a energy drink targeted at gay asians
1: right well and it's 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 homosex it's asian homosexual men it's not just gay asian yeah yeah gay asian dudes uh and you know more power to them but you never want to get in that niche with your product unless you can sell it for a fuck ton of money
0: <laughs> yeah well and, and you know and it's because we we get to do this like knowing what happens in this show it's just worth saying that this show comes back later. Great. Where Hide is offering a sip of his energy drink to Daryl. Um, <laughs> and it's like coconut penis or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and the guy was like, is that too much coconut <laughs> or something?
0: It's, it's great.
1: Well, um, and and there's another one is uh, Robert California's drinking it. Mm-hmm. He's like, hmm, I, why'd they change it? I like the original. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Robert, California. He's a crazy dude. Uh, Yeah. So Daryl just kind of nopes out and leaves him in the conference room and Andy finds him in the break room and Daryl's like, fire me. Yep. They're just like, look, I don't want to be here. You know, fire me. Just, you know, all this stuff, but he won't quit. Right. You know, I guess he wants to, you know, the severance package, Yeah, or unemployment or something like that. Um, so,
0: yeah, and Andy Andy is trying. I mean, part of me is disappointed, in Andy, because like I don't know why he just seems so lost. Um, like he, I don't know why he just seems so incapable of doing this thing without Daryl. Um, maybe I guess he just had it in his mind that Daryl would take care of it, and the fact that he is well, doing Darryl it now kind of surprises him.
1: taking care of it. Yeah, but I mean, God, at right? the end of the day, Andy is Daryl's boss. You know, uh, right? But. It- I mean, there might be a thing where um, maybe in the corporate structure is it is Daryl's um, hiring decision and for Andy to do that for him may like there may need to be more permissions or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just feel like I bet Michael was probably pretty hands off. Just let Daryl take care of it. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say with like saber now and all that kind of jazz, like how that actually works,
1: right? But Daryl, right, right, In Dunder Mifflin, um, we find out like we know Michael did the hiring in the warehouse, right, right, because there was no m- warehouse manager position. Is yeah. he talking? You know, he talks about twice. He talks about like hiring somebody for the th- for and you know, like one of them was Kevin, right, so He applied for a job in the warehouse, and he put him as the accountant. Yep.
0: Yeah, and the other guy was, um, was it the dude who wanted Michael to be his kid's godfather or something like that? Yeah, I
1: think that's what it was. Yeah. But he's like, he's a terrible worker, so I had to fire him. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, but Andy Andy's trying, so he's trying to keep the folks in the conference room entertained. He's trying to get Daryl to stay on board or whatever. Um, Daryl kind of goes on this riff about how he's just generally unlucky, like developing a soy allergy at 35. Right. And how there's soy in everything.
1: There is soy and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, so in the interim, while all this is going on, and uh, I was going to say Ellie, um, Aaron is downstairs helping the, the crew in the warehouse. Pam, I guess, has moved over back to the reception to kind of do some minor, like, answering mm-hmm. calls, really.
1: Right. And Yeah, so Dwight is acting all crazy because they're supposed to do, like, several hundred boxes right. of... Stuff. He's like, oh, I'll do it all on my own. He um, drives a forklift into a wall. Right. He just like, right into it. And he, what I love is like, he gets off it and he just picks up puck, Like, all right, let's go.
0: Yeah, I don't understand why, like, no one wanted to revisit the forklift. Okay. Like, yes, Dwight crashed into it, but like, right. let's try to salvage it here because ultimately what ends up happening is a huge breakdown in everybody's common sense.
1: Right. It feels like that. Um, Uh, i don't remember the name of the exact trope but it's characters who are supposed to be smart become stupid for plot right that's what this kind of feels like
0: yeah i mean if it was just aaron and kevin i could see this shaking out the way it does but the fact that dwight and jim are there yeah you would
1: figure that jim would be would think okay we know they have hand dollies you know which they show in the background you know i don't know
0: yeah Yeah, i I mean the fact that i mean there can't just be one hand dolly i guess there could just be one forklift if it's not a huge warehouse but i just feel like you know the pulley system the wheel basic things like let's try to solve this problem with things that cavemen created for us (laughs) but they just go off the rails i mean there's no point in saving the punchline till the end but like Ultimately they go with Kevin's idea of well, moving up the floor.
1: That is, that is great. Because he talks about how they used his the sisters used to butter him up and slide him around. Right, right. And Dwight and Jim just immediately dismiss it. Right. And he keeps going on it, and like Aaron like gets in his grill like, Look, I thought it was a good idea, but they hate it. So drop
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, like, such a such a thing for him. Yelling. Yeah. Um yeah, so they, they do this thing, uh, you know Right.
1: And it turns into Senior Lodenstein. <laughs> why is that? Because <laughs> it's Moya <more> Rapido. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> um
0: yeah, so so that's what goes on down there. It's totally ridiculous. It's whatever. Um so so Daryl's still pushing getting fired. Uh, but while that's happening, uh, Andy brings in a new set of people because everybody else had left after Daryl's kind
1: of noping out, right? Right. Uh, Nate has he I already? See. Is this
0: his first appearance, or has well, he? Well, so I think he starts working for Dwight first. Right. 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 Yeah. So I couldn't all remember the test stuff and whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh,
1: a PhD candidate. Right, who who is studying blue collar workers?
0: So it's like he just wants to be a warehouse guy, so like he could like learn about being a warehouse guy.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And like apparently the most jacked dude in Scranton, right, according to Oscar, who is creepily watching him through the conference room window. Right. Oh, and it, it was funny because earlier, like Andy asked, like who's the most jacked dude in Scranton? Oscar is like, well, it used to be so and so, and then it was Dean, but he got fixated on his calves and his tries just just went to hell. Like he was, yeah. he was mortally wounded by this dude's tries. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it's, the other funny thing too, is like, how are the, how do you, how does anybody know that these dudes are unemployed and this dude happens to be unemployed or at least open to receiving another job opportunity or whatever.
1: Right. Well, you know, if he's really interested in being jacked, you know, working yeah. in a warehouse, a good way to do it. Lifting heavy shit.
0: Yeah. So handy, Andy ends up wanting to hire all three of them. Nate goes on to this whole bit about how he can't. He um, it's not that he can't hear; <laughs> it's that when there's a lot of noises at the same time, they all sound like one jumble. So that joke pops up like four times in, right. this, in this in this small bit here. So, did I? I must have told you the first time that Nate showed up. But like the actor who plays Nate got like really popular on the internet before this because he was running around saying he was a yo-yo expert. <laughs> he was brought on to like television news stations to like demonstrate his yo-yo expertise, but he actually does not a yo-yo at all. So it ended up being like five awkward minutes of him, like spinning loose, non-spinning yo-yos around his body. <laughs> uh, if you, if you should check that out, but um, you could see that awkwardness at play here with these bits that he's always doing. Mm. Um, So this is the, this is the meat and potatoes here. So uh, right. Andy and Daryl kind of have this confrontation down at the coffee shop slash the security desk area corner. Yep. Where, um, yeah, Jacob said it, but Daryl basically blames Andy for stealing what he and feels is his in the grill. He's like, look, everyone yeah.
1: said it was mine. Da, da, da. And Andy like, has this, like, I don't have to put up with this anymore. Yep. Kind of light bulb moment. He's like, look, you were doing good, but you quit trying. Right. And I asked about you. Like, they noticed you hired your friend who was underqualified and all this other stuff. He's like, you were going to take business classes, but you haven't. I've like, right. time. times like oh you've had time for softball and a mediterranean cooking class yeah
0: yeah no it's it's really great like andy just had all this stuff and not for nothing if we think back like andy definitely had an affinity for being daryl's friend right there's the texting right. joke from before mm-hmm. um daryl was involved in the weird uh Aaron Gabe, Valentine's Day, Scavenger Hunt thing. Right. Like there's a lot of moments between Andy and Daryl that for whatever like yeah, Daryl's the one who takes Andy to the hospital when he gets
1: uh shot near. Right. Uh yeah, there's, they like, go shopping, uh the Barnes and Noble. To pick up chicks. Yeah. yeah pick up the Roller skating chicks. together.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so there is like a bro broship there. Right. Um, so you know, it's not it's not weird that Andy knows all this about Daryl, you know? Right, right, right. Um, And and he whips it out and really kind of sobers Daryl up where he's like, yeah, um, you know, I'm not going to let six little white balls dictate my future. I'm going to, it's going to be two black balls. Right. Which is a reference to Daryl's testicle.
1: (laughs) Just in case someone out there didn't realize. (laughs) That's right.
0: Um, Yeah. So it's a great moment for Andy and it's just kind of nice to see Daryl pick himself up after that kind of. Right. He,
1: he does. And you can see it going, yeah. you know, down the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so there's a couple of things at the end that, uh, you know, a couple of like, well, what would you do with the money? And there was, you know, T- Toby would start the Flindersen files. <laughs> know. <Okay. laughs> That was a sports center opening, but uh whatever.
0: I I think I did Law and Order, but it was a mix (laughs) of the two of those.
1: (laughs) And then there's this great thing, this great bit with Jim and Pam. They're like, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to live in a brownstone top of a hill on the edge of the city uh, that uh, you could fish from the uh, fish from Pam's pottery studio and all this stuff. Right. And then at the very end, they're like, yeah, but the schools are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you can't have it all, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's it's pretty
0: great. And then, of course, we get Andy and uh, Daryl confronting the warehouse crew, quote-unquote, about uh, Senior Lonenstein. Uh Yeah, so that is, uh, that is the shtick of that episode. So what do you think, man?
1: Uh, I like this one. Like I said, really good character development episode for Andy, but more for... Um, Daryl, and this is this pretty much puts Daryl on the path for the entire rest of the series that he's going to be on, right? Right, you know, striving more, working harder, that kind of stuff. So I gave this a three point eight out of five. Tries going to hell. There you go. Um, yeah, you know, I uh, actually,
0: I, what, did you, what did you say? Did you say three point three point yeah, eight? I gave it the exact same score, three point eight out of five. Gay Asian energy drinks. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is this is. For me, this is like Andy in his prime, right? Yeah. This was all setting up for Andy to be the Michael Scott we were missing. And it's very and I continue and I will continue to be disappointed when he goes off the rails because it really seems like once they get through these episodes, he could just be Michael and he could do his Michael thing with Aaron or whoever else he's trying to bang or whatever and have all those blips and then focus out on everybody else, you know. Right, it, it well, just it, it gets really weird for
1: him. He's really good for most of season eight, and yeah. you know he starts dating whatever mm-hmm. her name is. Yep. Um, you know disposable. all of huh disposable? I think is her name is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, all of that, and it's not really until uh, it's like when him and Aaron get back together. Right, and then because not too far into season nine, the stuff with his dad happens. Yeah, yeah. So then. You know, in like, like we're going to establish here in the next episode, it is understanding as to why that throws him so bad. Right. I mean, right. yeah, it would throw anybody. Your dad right. leaves your mom for the secretary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. But, you know, we we will see in Garden Party why that would be so bad. Yeah. So season eight, episode four, Garden Party, directed by David Rogers and written by Justin Spitzer.
0: I, I think I, I just want to say real quick, uh-huh. So Andy's dad is played by this actor, Stephen Collins. Right. Who you may remember from Seventh Heaven. He is also allegedly the biological father of uh, Dee and Dennis from Always Sunny. And um, I just want to put it out there. <laughs> he, it, he was a creep, sexually, apparently. I, you know, I remember reading about this a while ago. We don't often talk about current events or whatever. But um, any praise we say is just because of the performance, if he's done well, but the actual actor, a little creepy. Uh Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say that out loud. And I don't think we ever said it too, but the actor who played Hank passed away. We never talked about that, but uh, everybody was giving him shouts out, shout outs on um, social media. So,
1: right. Yeah. So the, uh, the cold open for this is pretty funny. So uh, for whatever reason, I know he said it, but I don't remember exactly what it was. Andy decides it's they need to advertise out, you know, in the community. Yeah. So they put up some billboard. And as Jim said, there's a thing that graffiti artists like to do. If you give them the opportunity to draw a phallic shape, right. they will. Hey, boy, did Andy give them the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Like There's one where it looks like he's like... Trying to like shout or something. There's one where he, Dwight's bent over and Andy's like, looks like he's about to slap his ass. Yeah, uh, I think there's another one too. Well,
0: like you know, Andy's like shouting from the rooftops, or Andy's right? Like he's like really mad about something, like King Kong, but it looks mm-hmm. like he's doing some type of double double Dutch yeah. water motion there. Dude, doing a little skiing. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I mean, basically everything looks like he is feeding penises into his face. Right. Um, Meredith even says that there is one with 20 dicks on it. <laughs> and she's like, love it, boss, all this. You yeah, know. yeah, she's she's yeah. proud. Um, so it's rough. And, of course, the best part is that uh, right when Dwight finds out that this is happening, right. um, you know, because of the panic, he runs, blocks, maybe even a mile or more.
1: Yeah, the work, just, he knows no, no the entire yeah.
0: time. No, no, no. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, he just gets this Darth Vader. No, once he gets
1: there, <laughs> um, yeah. So
0: that that's pretty great. So failed marketing.
1: <laughs> is what I yeah, said. Uh, I, I, it's pretty funny. called open to me. So yeah. the crux of the episode, which is pretty much the, you know everything, sort of revolves around this um, garden party. Yeah and so dwight has this map which there's some pretty good stuff on it so he has like where dunder mifflin is like you are here he's like okay um go on the map there's like the outlet mall and north of the outlet mall is unexplored there's something called the trail of tears good sushi i don't know if that's like a description or the name of the restaurant (laughs) right right uh the gay district Cemetery and just, like, a skull and crossbow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, so we'll remember, too, that, you know, Dwight had told uh, there's therapy involved, making sure that you don't go too far from previous episodes. Like, Dwight has a lot of these, like, off-brand indicators of, like, where.
1: Right. How you get there? Well, he, his big thing is he doesn't want anyone to Google the address. Right. Because... The Google streetcar came by and him and Moe's were seesaw. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know why it's that big of a deal.
0: Um, yeah. Well, apparently the cars don't let you know when they're taking a picture. So that that's all it was. Maybe they just would have been in a better pose.
1: Right. Right. Maybe I have, I've seen him a few times. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And so every, everyone's trying to figure out with Andy, like why, why are we having a garden party? And, you know, he's all pissy. He's like, look, it's, it's not a picnic. It's better than a barbecue. It's got rules and it's civilized. And Right. Um, so what happened is his parents threw one for his uh, little yeah. brother's birthday. Or no, not birthday. Promotion. Promotion. And the boss was really impressed. Everyone's like, oh, okay. You know, you just want to impress Robert California, which he, he sort of admits to. But then you find out later, it's not even about that. He right. wants to impress his parent. And, you know, we, it's, we, we, we start to really see, he's alluded to it about how um, his parents like his younger brother a lot more than him. But this is like when we really see it. Right. Uh, because, you know, he had said that his name was supposed to be what, Walter Jr. Yep. And then it, so he, and he was called that to was like, what, six? Yeah. Which you're old enough to remember that. I mean, that's that's a harsh thing to do to your child. And they change his name to Andy. Yeah, because like, he wasn't up to snuff for Walter, right? Um, and so we just see how his dad interacts with Walter Junior. Way like it's so much nicer. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like a. It's basically like different family at that point,
1: right? Um,
0: so they have like a viral video that's going out about a father-son duet, and. Um, Andy's like creepily in the background. Um, Walter Junior's boss is there, and he's very impressed by the whole thing. So there's like a lot of cards that Andy's trying to play. He wants he wants some recognition from his folks. He wants to like kind of one up his brother. He wants Robert California to see that like he is cu- he comes from like this tight
1: knit family who are proud of him too. You know that he and uh, he can throw honestly, a successful party. Shit. Honestly, I, I think it was more of a I've done good, and I think the CEO will say that to my parents. Yeah, I mean, the
0: what do you call it? The office, though, in the beginning, they think that it's to impress Robert. Right, also, right. Which I, which I don't think is off.
1: Right, right, obviously. But um, the, the more I think about it, the more I think Robert California was supposed to be ammunition, yeah, you wanted to impress him, but he was also a bullet in the chamber that I mean, that's misfired.
0: crazy to think you can control Robert California. Well which, which we find out is correct because Robert <laughs> goes way off the rails here and like does the exact opposite of what Andy wants.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> it is hilarious. Yeah. So
0: so that's going on. Um Let's see here. Da, 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 da. Sorry, Connecticut Casual, right? That's what that is, whatever. And Stanley's hoping it's basically what he's currently wearing because that's, well, be. that's
1: what he's going to... Yeah.
0: Because it's three o'clock that day. Is that what it is? So they're all leaving the office early to attend this guardian party? Was it? Or is it like three o'clock on a weekend day?
1: I assumed it was like later, like on the weekend. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure.
1: Like I, I kind of got... I always just thought it like this meeting was on Friday and like the next day was the garden party. Right, got it. But I don't think they ever
0: say. Yeah, no, they don't. But because I figured maybe it was the same day because Stanley was going to wear what he was wearing, so I wasn't sure. But Mm. um, so so Dwight is at Stroot Farms. Dwight's going to be hosting. He's been trying to find a way to break into like luxury catering events. You know, he does the B and B stuff. He wants he wants the whales. You know. Um, so he buys the only copy of, uh, of the ultimate guide to throwing a garden party. Um,
1: by James Trickington.
0: Yeah. Um, where we find out that Jim is upset about his book sales. He's only sold one.
1: Like, I wonder, I would have to like, oh, I'm sure someone's done the math, but I would love to see like, how much time has Jim wasted pranking Dwight? Oh, for sure. For it's sure. Not, I mean, it's not a big book, but it's definitely not a small book either. Yeah, it seems longer than somehow I manage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so the other thing we see in this episode is that both... So Pam accidentally lets it slip that she's naming her next child Philip. Right. Uh, after her grandfather. And Angela like, kind of throws a fit because she was going to name her son Philip after her mm-hmm. cat. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is just this is like another battlefield here of the Pam Angela Pregnancy
1: Wars. So I didn't find the exact thing, but according to BuzzFeed, Jim's pranks would total a whopping $5, $5,590.95.
0: I mean, at this point, we're eight years in. That doesn't seem that bad. It seems like a reasonable amount of money to spend on pranks. Uh, I mean...
1: That's a lot of, it's still like, let's see, I got to do the math. Yeah. That's almost $700 a year. Uh, yeah. But what does Jim do? You know,
0: I, I spend that much on video games for sure. You definitely spend that much on podcasting equipment because you got a new mic every other week.
1: No, I've had this one for a while. It doesn't
0: seem like it. Robert <laughs> California seems to be judging you behind you. He's like, really, Jacob? Really? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I mean, if this is his hobby, if this is the only you know, extracurricular
1: thing. Yeah. I mean, if that's his main hobby. Yeah. Which it kind of yeah. is. So, we show up at Shrewd Farms. Yeah. Um, Moe's is the valet, which, you, like, Toby comes up is like, you have to give me your car now. <laughs> You're yep. like. Pulls the door open, pulls him out, gives him an acorn for a ticket. Yeah. And Toby's like, "Look, it's it's finicky. You gotta be careful. It like fishtails out of there, like drifting yeah. and stuff." It's just worth reminding
0: our viewers at home that Moses played by uh, Ken Sure, right? No, uh, oh, Michael Sure, Michael, Michael Schur, yes, right, who uh, ends up being yeah, he's the showrunner for The Good Place, Parks co-created and Rec
1: created it, co-created yeah. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yep. I think he co-created Parks P- P- and Rec too. Like, yeah, yeah. He yeah. Uh, he's basically made the best television shows ever. Yeah, was, like he a was a big writer for this for a long time. He too. was too. Yeah. Yep. So just just for reference
0: as to who this creepy little bearded man with his foot on Toby's car is,
1: <laughs> and um, he he <laughs> barrels barreling down this dirt road through a cornfield. <laughs> Yeah, then, like stocks of corn bashing against right.
0: the car windshield.
1: <laughs> and then like lines it up and he's got two rams on the side of all these cars. Yeah.
0: He's trying to do some like evil Knievel thing. He's trying to do it on like a Vespa, but ultimately <laughs> gives up and just runs across the rooftops.
1: Like when they get their car back, so how much damage has been done. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's crazy. I I could see I could see like full grown stocks of corn, like healthy. Yeah. It's Like destroying a bumper oh for sure yeah Yeah, especially if you get it
0: out out. yeah i mean i guess the hope is the first car takes the most damage because at that point now he's created a road but based Mm -hmm. on seeing toby's car which is not the first car to get there um it seems like he may be making new roads every time he gets to that place yeah
1: (laughs) right which yeah uh so dwight is announcing the gas because that is the height of the decorum yeah, and the and the volume dictates the importance of the case. The right. And so like Stanley goes in like Stanley Hudson and his mistress Cynthia something. Yeah. Uh the parents come in, they're like, Hey, we can't be here long. We have theater tickets. Right. To moneyball. <laughs> That's right. Uh which was was fine. That's how I felt. It was fine. Uh, it was
0: well well performed. Everything. Yeah. Was, Chris Pratt's in it.
1: Chris Pratt is in it. I, I I really like Moneyball, but I'm also a baseball guy. So.
0: Well, you know There's just not enough baseball in it. That's what was so boring about it. I was like, just show me a game. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just watching people watch a game. This is stupid. But it, it was whatever. doesn't matter. I'm not a baseball guy. Um, Yeah. For whatever reason, Dwight uh Jim and Pam's daughter's name EP.
1: Uh, right. Because he, he calls it... Cause, um... Oh, he was trying to bribe to get the manager job. He's was like, how's your daughter doing? What's her name? Pee-pee? Yeah. No, pee Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Walter Jr. shows up. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Kevin, so, and that kind of like wrinkles Andy's plans there, you know, because his parents who were going to split for this theater, the showing of Moneyball, uh, kind of get distracted. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're here. You know, a lot more affection for Walter Jr. over Andy.
1: Right, And The thing, though is, like, in all the interactions you really see with Walter Jr., he seems like a pretty chill dude, you know? Yeah. Like, he would probably annoy me, but, you know, he doesn't seem like an asshole like his parents are.
0: Well, and similarly later, like, especially when we get to, like, the boat thing, um, him and Andy, like, have a moment where it's together they go on this boat trip, right? Right. So, like, they can bond. So, like, there is no, like, real... If I'm recalling correctly, and forgive me if I I do not, but it's kind of like Walter had a similar frustration with his folks, but because of the opposite, because he felt constant pressure to keep succeeding, while Andy felt like pressure because he never succeeded to his parents. You know, right? So they had this like shared animosity toward their folks mm-hmm. um, that leads them to have a what we can perceive as a good relationship later. Just a, just something for you folks to watch out for as
1: we go through these shows. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he says something to Jim. He's like, oh, hi, I'm Jim. He's like, oh, Tuna. Yeah. This to be, like, he knows, he obviously pays attention to when in, when he talks to Andy. Yeah. And he, it seems like they kind of talk a lot or enough because they know, he knows about the stuff in people's, you know, in the people's yeah. lives. Although he doesn't
0: know who Pam is because at this moment he calls Meredith Pam. But he hasn't met her. No, right? it's true. But and he never does apparently in this episode, right?
1: Because he calls Phyllis, yeah, when they're they're leaving. Um, Kev is
0: rocking his toupee.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. I didn't realize it until this watch through just how often it shows up. Like it shows up pretty much every time. There's, there's like a, a nice of
0: office occasion. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so another tip that Dwight learned from the book is uh, that the event coordinator is also the uh dance lead
1: yes the dance coordinator yeah
0: so uh he ends up doing like this weird like what, honestly what looks like to me like
1: a fancy horse pr- yeah you
0: know, like dance, right
1: kind of yeah kind. or something like, like that the, uh, the
0: kicking of the feet backwards right? right right
1: yeah it looks like it looks i thought it. i always thought of it as like chickens yeah yeah doing their thing but yeah it, it's bizarre
0: yeah, it's terrible. Um, but he's doing that. He Yeah, he kind of like steals a, a maid or a, a waitress or whatever. I don't know, because they're dressed like maids, right? But they look like Right. Maids. I mean, they're, they're, they're the staff. Yeah. A staffer. Um, so they do this dance. It's great. Um, yeah, rocking the harpsichord. Yeah, there's a great bit where Robert calls Andy, asking what gift to bring. Right. Um, and uh, Andy says marmalade after a confusing chat, uh, but Robert ends up bringing basil, <laughs> He's like, I'm
1: pretty certain you said,
0: yeah. Basil. Just kind of stiff arms him with that. Um, right. A weird moment where Aaron's weird feathery fuzzy hat is stolen by a bird. It is like four seconds, uh, <laughs> and then later on we see her trying to climb a tree to retrieve the hat.
1: <laughs> Poor Aaron.
0: Yeah. Um, so Andy has this great idea, basically to toast the staff in hopes that the staff will get to toast him.
1: Right. Uh, the the it, well, post- by staff he means the. Office workers like
0: his staff, right right, right? right, right. Um, and he's he's banking
1: on the recipro- reciprocity of toasts. I didn't know that was a thing until I watched this first, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so
0: he does it, he toasts everybody, and it's great. And then I
1: think Daryl stands
0: up next, and it seems like he's going to toast Andy, but does a, does a quick left turn and toasts Robert California instead.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that it just things get going really weird. Um, so Angela toasts her new baby Philip.
0: Declaring to the whole office. Right. For the first time. And right. So
1: uh Pam does the same thing and she like really lays in about how it's like for her grandfather and he promised him like when she was little that she would name her, their first kid after, first boy after him yeah. and all this stuff. And yeah. this is Angela like gets into this whole thing about like, why does she always copy me? Yeah. Even though it's very apparent that she didn't. and right. She's like, you know, this is the four Taurus situation all over again. But the whole thing of she sees it as copying, but when it isn't. So there is some kind of weird disconnect in Angela's head there.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there is this this untold story of the Fords, right? Right. Where there, there, was, a, there was an original incident where she perceived this copying. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the thing is, because we don't know the full story, how do we know that Pam didn't copy that occasion? Right, this rightful suspicion on Angela's part.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, obviously Ryan's got to be a douchebag. He's so like, "Here's the troops, all the troops, all the troops all on both sides."
0: sides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so some people start putting their glasses down. Uh, um,
1: then, then like Robert California just shits all over. Andy.
0: Yeah, well, because it comes around again that someone's about to toast Robert again. Right. So he's like, it, you know, if I may. Oh, because Gabe starts to do a third toast. Right, right, then, right. Yeah, Robert uh, stands up, and yeah, he basically does this bit about how uh, the workers are the most important, and the bosses don't do anything. They're just big old babies who need their diapers changed, or what like really just... Just terrible. It's the exact opposite things that Andy would want. His- right. Gets a big round of applause because obviously, from a worker's point of view, like they're getting the props. Mm-hmm. Um, so Andy finally pulls out the big guns. He whips out his guitar and uh, tries to have a duet with his dad, who is not into it because he's eating what looks like shrimp or something.
1: Right. And he just gets really pissy. Like, oh, it's too high, and then he doesn't, like, he takes the guitar from him. Yeah, he doesn't like the harmonies. Yeah, he pulls up Walter Jr., and they start singing. A totally different song. Right. It's so funny, because, like, Walter Jr. was trying not to do it, and Meredith's like, get up there and sing, or I'll cut your throat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'll cut out your larynx.
0: <laughs> um so he does it and they sing a totally different song and it's beautiful and
1: wonderful. Right. And you see these like two shots of Andy's mom where she's really disgusted with Andy and really happy with Walter Walter Jr. Yeah, yeah.
0: So Andy uh like prematurely claps, takes the guitar, and says, Get your own guitar.
1: Right and just like runs off and s- smashes <laughs> yeah. a plate of
0: appetizers. Yeah. Um so Ultimately, what ends up happening with that is Andy ends up in a room in Dwight's house somewhere mm-hmm. um, and uh, his pop comes in and it seems like they might have like a heart to heart but it turns and uh, his dad is actually upset he's all like listen why would I be proud of you being a regional manager of a rinky dink yeah paper supplier <laughs> screen thing you know, it kind of really goes off the rails. This happens to be in the same room where Cece is being held uh, captive, actually, because she does seem to be behind some type of structure that's forcing her not to be able to leave. But we'll talk about that later. Um, and there's a baby monitor there, in the whole office here. And they shut it off out of respect, but they kind of get the sense, okay, now we understand weird this episode.
1: Well. Why he's been weird his entire life, well, why he true. tries so hard. Right, why his ringtone get... is five versions of him singing doo <laughs> Right, he just wants to impress. It, you know, I just feel so bad for him. Yeah, yeah. It's... Like, this is one of the like, it's not like awkward moments in The Office, but this is up there and like just like the mo- like emotionally devastating. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because it's kind of, like, too real, right? Like right. Like, it's like when Pam's parents split. Too real, you know? Like, some of these moments that are just like, oh, boy, you guys went there, you sons of bitches.
1: But <laughs> well, um, it got, to, like, and that's what makes shows like this good, mm-hmm. is they get super real. Like, it's kind of like uh, Scrubs. Like, oh, that yeah, was the yeah. master, the, the best show at being funny, being funny, being funny, and just hitting you with the baseball bat reality. Yeah, Brendan
0: Fraser was dead the whole time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fed up so yeah. Much. That's yeah. So but
0: yeah, so it's true. So when uh, a show can like bring you back to be like these are human emotions, um it's pretty solid. <laughs> mm. Um yeah, forget what they call cuz Daryl and Oscar referred to something that Andy does as his rosebud reference. Um and they have like a funny spat over that. But what were they calling rosebud? Uh
1: like they were
0: just like saying that this conversation is like indicative of Andy's whole behavior, right?
1: Right, and so uh, Daryl's thing was Rosebud, because it's always sort of the 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 thing with Citizen Kane is what is Rosebud? Yeah, uh, was it? He,
0: it's his dying words, right? For those of you who didn't see Citizen Kane as a film one hundred and one class taker in college, <laughs> I can I can answer a lot of your freshman year questions. If uh,
1: so Daryl's thing is that Rosebud is the reason why he is, and oscars thing was rosebud is a reference to his childhood which he wants back yeah yeah something like <laughs> it is great that he's like it's like they,
0: yeah they like agree to disagree or whatever
1: <laughs> except for dale's like no you're wrong dude yeah <laughs> it's pretty funny
0: um So that whole thing happens. Andy comes out and uh, the office crew is just chilling, drinking some brewskis. Um, It's a lot more relaxed now because everybody has left the garden.
1: Right. Daryl, you know, brought the grill like he said he would and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's kind of like this nice moment where like the office having this insight into Andy's psyche now kind of. Understand. Right, he's
1: gonna leave, and they don't let him. Like, hey, what do you want? You know, here? You know, they actually like? I think Oscar actually like calls him Nard an Dog, and like those. Yeah. yeah. It's a really cool scene. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. There, there is a scene I do want to hit before we wrap up, but there's with um, Robert California and Dwight, yeah. are talking about the whole like his birthday party, right? And so there's like the goat packet. Like the platinum go package or the pewter go package. Yeah. <laughs> and the you know, Robert California's like, I don't want to eat goats and Dwight's like, I can get you exotic meats. Yeah. But don't you wanna like uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to see Robert California's birthday party, but I kinda wanna see Robert California's birthday party.
0: Yeah, part of me feels like um well, one, I think the pool party is very close to what a Robert California party could be. Um, yeah. You know, with like the tour of the house and the the two dudes dancing for him.
1: Like, I feel as though Robert California's birthday party, he would make people sign waivers and non disclosure agreements.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you've never seen Julie Tamors uh, Titus Andronicus, there's a lot of of uh, kind of ancient Roman imagery of sex and violence that I feel like Robert California probably tries to model his life after. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so check that um, I And that being said, no, I don't, I don't want to go to his party. <laughs> you can go. You tell me what it's like, because I'm pretty sure I would not make it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or, or, not, or the, uh, like, uh, hedonism bots... Birthday party. Yeah, that's exactly right. Vomitoriums, <laughs> you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, thumbs ups and downs like freaking Maximus from uh, Gladiator.
1: Yeah. Th- the closing scene is great because Jim keeps going in and out of the party to get yeah. announced. Yeah. And, like, he keeps, Dwight keeps saying this stuff. He's like, "Is it his last time coming, he's like, who's the best salesman, Dungeon Mifflin? And, it, like, Dwight starts laughing and he walks by and somebody announces and Dwight yeah. looks pissed. It's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that's great.
0: Um so I'm I'm going to say what I thought about this episode. Okay. Uh it's too silly. Give it a 2 out of 5 Josh Grobins.
1: Wow.
0: Because I and, and I and I understand what you were saying previously and I do think it ultimately does this thing, but like everybody is just a little ridiculous. Meredith's very visceral threat against Josh Grobin, Aaron chasing her hat um the coat jokes about Kelly not wearing a jacket. Like it's all kind of funny and piecemeal, but it's a little over the top in terms of its humor. Cause then we have this like really human moment. And I wonder if that was an intentional choice to like be overly silly. So that when we have the real, you know, it Mm -hmm. balances out. But to me it was just like kind of distracting. So it's it's fine, but not so not so that's how I feel.
1: Wow. Uh this is gonna be one of our big gaps. (laughs) I thought this episode was really good. Like, I've always liked it, but more, especially on this watch through, when I'm looking at it in terms of the whole show and everything else, um, really sets up a lot. The human moments are great. Uh, so, I gave this a 4.5 out of 5 seesaws. Wow. So um, I didn't expect that. I did not expect that going in this episode. I was expecting like a three and a half, but...
0: Yeah, I mean the Andy stuff is good. It's just covered in weirdness. Um, so that that's how I feel about that. I mean, listen, if you agree with me, um, like and subscribe and tell your friends about it. If you agree with Jacob, um, don't do anything. <laughs> and then we'll like at, and subscribe. <laughs> and we'll look at the numbers in two weeks and see how that goes. <laughs> oh boy! All right. So that yeah, that's it. That was. Um, but I think that is the end of the Andy Quartet. Now we're going to start yeah. moving back into like the regular ebb and flow of the, of the office proper. Mm-hmm.
1: Agreed. Oh, well, next time we see you, it'll be October. Um, so that'll be fun. Yeah. I think there may be um, one more
0: regular episode and then maybe a weird one because I'm going away for a bit. But um, so just, uh, and I just say that now because we have a tendency to forget things. <laughs> so I say it. And just remember three episodes from now if something weird happens. If it's just <laughs> Jacob yelling
1: into a microphone and introducing people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next next time we'll be covering Spooked and Doomsday. Classic. Cool. All right. Well, everyone have a good two weeks. I uh, hope uh, this podcast finds you well. Have a good one.
0: Don't Google Bowserette. Bye.
1: <laughs>